Book 7, Chapters 2 through 4 of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 7, Chapters 2 through 4. Chapter 2 that upon the slaughter of Ishbosheth by the treachery of his friends, David received the whole kingdom. When Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, had heard of the death of Abner, he took it to heart to be deprived of a man that was of his kindred, and had indeed given him the kingdom, but was greatly afflicted, and Abner's death very much troubled him. Nor did he himself outlive any longer time, but was treacherously set upon by the sons of Rimon. Ba'ana and Reshab were their names, and was slain by them. For these, being of the family of the Benjamites, and of the first rank among them, thought that if they should slay Ishbosheth, they should obtain large presents from David, and be made commanders by him, or, however, should have some other trust committed to them. So when they once found him alone, and asleep at noon, in an upper room, when none of his guards were there, and when the woman that kept the door was not watching, but had fallen asleep also, partly on account of the labor she had undergone, and partly on account of the heat of the day, these men went into the room in which Ishbosheth, Saul's son, lay asleep, and slew him. They also cut off his head, and took their journey all that night, and the next day, as supposing themselves flying away from those they had injured, to one that would accept of this action as a favor, and would afford them security. So they came to Hebron, and showed David the head of Ishbosheth, and presented themselves to him as of his well-wishers, and such as had killed one that was his enemy and antagonist. Yet David did not relish what they had done as they expected, but said to them, You vile wretches, you shall immediately receive the punishment you deserve. Did you not know what vengeance I executed on him that murdered Saul, and brought me his crown of gold? and this while he who made this slaughter did it as a favor to him, that he might not be caught by his enemies. Or do you imagine that I am altered in my disposition, and suppose that I am not the same man I was then, but am pleased with men that are wicked-doers, and esteem your vile actions, when you are become murderers of your master, as grateful to me, when you have slain a righteous man upon his bed, who never did evil to anybody, and treated you with great good will and respect. Wherefore you shall suffer the punishment due on his account, and the vengeance I ought to inflict upon you for killing Ishboseth, and for supposing that I should take his death kindly at your hands. For you could not lay a greater blot on my honor than by making such a supposal. When David had said this, he tormented them with all kinds of torments, and then put them to death, and he bestowed all accustomed rites on the burial of the head of Ishbosheth, and laid it in the grave of Abner. When these things were brought to this conclusion, all the principal men of the Hebrew people came to David at Hebron, with the heads of thousands, and other rulers, and delivered themselves up to him, putting him in mind of the good will they had borne to him in Saul's lifetime, and the respect they then had not ceased to pay him when he was captain of a thousand, and also that he was chosen of God by Samuel the prophet he and his sons, and declaring besides how God had given him power to save the land of the Hebrews, 
and to overcome the Philistines. Whereupon he received kindly this their alacrity on his account, and exhorted them to continue in it, for that they should have no reason to repent of being thus disposed to him. So when he had feasted them, and treated them kindly, he sent them out to bring all the people to him, upon which came to him about six thousand eight hundred armed men of the tribe of Judah, who bore shields and spears for their weapons. For these had, till now, continued with Saul's son, when the rest of the tribe of Judah had ordained David for their king. There came also seven thousand and one hundred out of the tribe of Simeon. Out of the tribe of Levi came four thousand and seven hundred, having Jehoiada for their leader. After these came Zadok, the high priest, with twenty-two captains of his kindred. Out of the tribe of Benjamin the armed men were four thousand, but the rest of the tribe continued, still expecting that some one of the house of Saul should reign over them. Those of the tribe of Ephraim were twenty thousand and eight hundred, and these mighty men of valor, and eminent for their strength. Out of the half-tribe of Manasseh came eighteen hundred, of the most potent men. Out of the tribe of Issachar came two hundred, who foreknew what was to come hereafter, but of armed men twenty thousand. Of the tribe of Zebulon, fifty thousand chosen men. This was the only tribe that came universally in to David, and all these had the same weapons with the tribe of Gad. Out of the tribe of Nephtali, the eminent men and rulers were one thousand, whose weapons were shields and spears, and the tribe itself followed after, being, in the manner, innumerable, thirty-seven thousand. Out of the tribe of Dan, there were of chosen men twenty-seven thousand and six hundred, out of the tribe of Asher, forty thousand. Out of the two tribes that were beyond Jordan, and the rest of the tribe of Manasseh, such as used shields and spears, and headpieces and swords, were a hundred and twenty thousand. And the rest of the tribes also made use of swords. This multitude came together to Hebron, to David, with a great quantity of corn and wine, and all other sorts of food, and established David in his kingdom with one consent. And when the people had rejoiced for three days in Hebron, David and all the people removed, and came to Jerusalem. Chapter 3. How David laid siege to Jerusalem, and when he had taken the city, he cast the Canaanites out of it, and brought in the Jews to inhabit therein. Now the Jebusites, who were the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and were by extraction Canaanites, shut their gates, and placed the blind, and the lame, and all their maimed persons upon the wall, in way of derision of the king, and said that the very lame themselves would hinder his entrance into it. They did this out of contempt of his power, and as depending on the strength of their walls. David was hereby enraged, and began the siege of Jerusalem, and employed his utmost diligence and alacrity therein, as intending by the taking of this place to demonstrate his power, and to intimidate all others that might be of the like evil disposition towards him. So he took the lower city by force, but the citadel held out still. Whence it was that the king, knowing that the proposal of dignities and rewards would encourage the soldiers to greater actions, promised that he who should first go over the ditches that were beneath the citadel, and should ascend to the citadel itself and take it, should have the command of the entire people conferred upon him. 
So they were all ambitious to ascend, and thought no pains too great in order to ascend thither, out of their desire of the chief command. However, Joab, son of Zeruiah, prevented the rest, and as soon as he got up to the citadel, cried out to the king and claimed the chief command. When David had cast the Jebusites out of the citadel, he rebuilt Jerusalem, and named it the city of David, and abode there all time of his reign. But for the time that he reigned over the tribe of Judah only in Hebron, it was seven years and six months. Now when he had chosen Jerusalem to be his royal city, his affairs did more and more prosper, by the providence of God, who took care that they should improve and be augmented. Hiram also, the king of the Tyrians, sent ambassadors to him, and made a league of mutual friendship and assistance with him. He also sent him presents, cedar trees and mechanics, and men skillful in building and architecture, that they might build him a royal palace at Jerusalem. Now David made buildings round about the lower city. He also joined the citadel to it, and made it one body, and when he had encompassed all with walls, he appointed Joab to take care of them. It was David, therefore, who first cast the Jebusites out of Jerusalem, and called it by his own name, the city of David. For under our forefather Abraham it was called Salem, or Soloma. But after that time, some say that Homer mentions it by the name of Soloma. For he named the temple Soloma, according to the Hebrew language which denotes security. Now the whole time from the warfare under Joshua our general against the Canaanites, and from that war in which he overcame them and distributed the land among the Hebrews, nor could the Israelites ever cast out the Canaanites out of Jerusalem until this time, when David took it by siege. This whole time was five hundred and fifteen years. I shall now make mention of Arauna, who was a wealthy man among the Jebusites, but was not slain by David in the siege of Jerusalem, because of the good will he bore to the Hebrews, and a particular benignity and affection which he had to the king himself, which I shall take a more seasonable opportunity to speak of a little afterwards. Now David married other wives over and above those which he had before. He had also concubines. The sons whom he had were in number eleven, whose names were Amnon, Emnos, Aban, Nathan, Solomon, Jeban, Alien, Falna, Enephen, Jenai, Eliphale, and a daughter, Tamar. Nine of these were born of legitimate wives, but the last two named of concubines, and Tamar had the same mother as Absalom. Chapter 4. That when David had conquered the Philistines, who made war against him, at Jerusalem, he removed the ark to Jerusalem, and had a mind to build a temple. When the Philistines understood that David was made king of the Hebrews, they made war against him at Jerusalem. And when they had seized upon that valley, which is called the Valley of the Giants, and is a place not far from the city, they pitched their camp therein. But the king of the Jews, who never permitted himself to do anything without prophecy and the command of God, and without depending on him as a security for the time to come, bade the high priest to foretell to him what was the will of God, and what would be the event of this battle. And when he foretold that he should gain the victory and the dominion, he led out his army against the Philistines. And when the battle was joined, he came himself behind, 
and fell upon the enemy on the sudden, and slew some of them, and put the rest to flight. And let no one suppose that it was a small army of the Philistines that came against the Hebrews, as guessing so from the suddenness of their defeat, and from their having performed no great action, or that was worth recording, from the slowness of their march, and want of courage. But let him know that all Syria and Phoenicia, with many other nations besides them, and those warlike nations also, came to their assistance, and had a share in this war, which thing was the only cause why, when they had been so often conquered, and had lost so many tens thousands of their men, they still came upon the Hebrews with greater armies. Nay, indeed, when they had so often failed of their purpose in these battles, they came upon David with an army three times as numerous as before, and pitched their camp on the same spot of ground as before. The king of Israel, therefore, inquired of God again concerning the event of the battle, and the high priest prophesied to him that he should keep his army in the groves, called the groves of weeping, which were not far away from the enemy's camp, and that he should not move, nor begin to fight, till the trees of the grove should be in motion, without the winds blowing. But as soon as these trees moved, and the time foretold to him by God was come, he should, without delay, go out to gain what was an already prepared and evident victory. For the several ranks of the enemy's army did not sustain him, but retreated at the first onset, whom he closely followed, and slew them as he went along, and pursued them to the city Gaza, which was the limit of their country. After this he spoiled their camp, in which he found great riches, and he destroyed their gods. When this had proven the event of the battle, David thought it proper, upon a consultation with the elders and rulers, and captains of thousands, to send for those who were in the flower of their age, out of all his countrymen, and out of the whole land, and withal for the priests and the Levites, in order to their going to Kirjath-Jerim, to bring up the ark of God out of that city, and to carry it to Jerusalem, and there to keep it, and offer before it those sacrifices, and those other honors with which God used to be well pleased. For had they done thus in the reign of Saul, they had not undergone any great misfortunes at all. So when the whole body of the people were come together, as they resolved to do, the king came to the ark, which the priest brought out of the house of Aminadab, and laid it upon a new cart, and permitted their brethren and their children to draw it, together with the oxen. Before it went the king, and the whole multitude of the people with him, singing hymns to God, and making use of all sorts of songs usual among them, with variety of the sounds of musical instruments, and with dancing and singing of psalms, as also with the sounds of trumpets and of cymbals, and so brought the ark to Jerusalem. But as they came to the threshing-floor of Chidon, a place so called, Uzzah was slain by the anger of God, for as the oxen shook the ark, he stretched out his hands, and would needs take hold of it. Now, because he was not a priest, and yet touched the ark, God struck him dead. Hereupon both the king and the people were displeased at the death of Uzzah, and the place where he died is still called the breach of Uzzah unto this day. So David was afraid, and supposing that if he received the ark to himself into the city, he might suffer in the like manner as Uzzah had suffered, who, upon his bear putting out his hand to the ark, died in the manner already mentioned. He did not receive it to himself into the city, 
but he took it aside unto a certain place belonging to a righteous man, whose name was Obededom, who was by his family a Levite, and deposited the ark with him, and it remained there three entire months. This augmented the house of Obadam, and conferred many blessings upon it. And when the king heard what had befallen Obadam, how he was become of a poor man in a low estate, exceeding happy, and the object of envy, to all those that saw or inquired after his house, he took courage, and hoping that he should meet with no misfortune thereby, he transferred the ark to his own house, the priests carrying it, while seven companies of singers, who were set in that order by the king, went before it, and while he himself played upon the harp, and joined in the music, insomuch that when his wife, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, who was our first king, saw him doing so, she laughed at him. But when they had brought in the ark, they placed it under the tabernacle which David had pitched for it, and he offered costly sacrifices and peace offerings, and treated the whole multitude, and dealt both to the women and the men, and the infants a loaf of bread and a cake, and another cake baked in a pan with a portion of the sacrifice. So when he had thus feasted the people, he sent them away, and he himself returned to his own house. But when Michal, his wife, the daughter of Saul, came and stood by him, she wished him all other happiness, and entreated that whatsoever he should further desire, to the utmost possibility, might be given to him by God, and that he might be favorable to him. Yet did she blame him that so great a king as he should dance after an unseemly manner, and in his dancing uncover himself among the servants and the handmaidens. But he replied that he was not ashamed to do what was acceptable to God, who had preferred him before her father, and before all others, and that he would play frequently, and dance without any regard to what the handmaidens and herself thought of it. So this Michelle, who was David's wife, had no children. However, when she was afterwards married to him, to whom Saul, her father, had given her, for at this time David had taken her away from him, and had her himself, she bore five children, but concerning those matters I shall discourse in a proper place. Now when the king saw that his affairs grew better almost every day, by the will of God, he thought that he should offend him, while he himself continued in houses made of cedar, such as were of a great height, and had the most curious works of architecture in them. He should overlook the ark while it laid in a tabernacle, and was desirous to build a temple to God, as Moses had predicted such a temple should be built. And when he had discourse with Nathan, the prophet, about these things, and had been encouraged by him to do whatsoever he had a mind to do, as having God with him, and his helper in all things, he was thereupon the more ready to set about that building. But God appeared to Nathan that very night, and commanded him to say to David that he took his purpose and his desires kindly, since nobody had before now taken it into their head to build him a temple, although, upon his having such a notion, he would not permit him to build it, that temple, because he had made many wars, and was defiled with the slaughter of his enemies. That, however, after his death, in his old age, and when he had lived a long time, there should be a temple built by a son of his, who should take his kingdom after him, and shall be called Solomon, whom he promised to provide for, as a father provides for his son, by preserving the kingdom for his son's posterity, 
in delivering it to them, but that he should still punish him if he sinned with diseases and barrenness of land. When David understood this from the prophet, and was overjoyful at this knowledge of the sure continuance of the dominion of his posterity, and that his house should be splendid and very famous, he came to the ark, and fell down on his face, and began to adore God, and to return thanks to him for all his benefits, as well as those he had already bestowed upon him in raising him from a low state, and from the employment of a shepherd, to so great dignity of dominion and glory. As for those, also, which he had promised to his posterity, and besides, for that providence which he had exercised over the Hebrews in procuring them the liberty they enjoyed. And when he had said thus, and had sung a hymn of praise to God, he went his way. End of Book 7, Chapters 2 through 4